2: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41, 30 seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
3: This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer.
4: Welcome to Unbreakable Mental Health Podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer. Our guest today is probably the best looking guest we've ever had on. And before we get to him, you'll understand why in a second. Uh, but if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. Welcome into Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. Once again, I am Jay Glazer and joining me is, man, you, you guys know him from being an all pro in the NFL. You may know him from being on TV. I know him from being like my little nephew, my little brother, but he's a, you know, six foot seven, 340 pound little brother. I've known since I think you were seven years old, something along those lines. One and only Kyle Long. How are you, brother? Yeah, really
3: it's, awesome. it's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome. And I'm, I'm really glad I get to come on here. I go, I have the opportunity to talk to so many great folks on podcasts and they want to ask about football and they want to ask about my family and stuff like that. But I'm glad I get to come on a mental health podcast. Not only that, but with somebody that I'm comfortable with. And I appreciate it. Um, you've always been there for me during those great times that we often discuss, but you know, I'm glad I could be here for you today on the pod and I look forward to the chat.
4: Fuck yeah. And what, here's the thing with us also, man, it's a great thing about our, our mental health podcast. It's called a mental health podcast. I talk about the gray a lot, yeah. but our job is to put people in the blue, right? It's not always just doom and gloom. And, and I, I think, you know, for what's always connect, look, obviously your dad's always connected us, but you and I getting each other, there's not a lot of people who understand that, that we both have this kind of this, this beast in the box, if you will, that is what drives us so much. And that's what connected you and I from day one, since you were, you know, even, you know, as a little kid on, but, you know, later on in life, when, you know, I got to help train you for the combine and and help you, you know, along the way. And it's just incredible what these relationships do. At the same time, people don't realize this, Kyle moved in with me for me to help train him for the combine. And as a result, his compensation, it was paid to me was that he was my son Sammy's manny.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I got to use your credit card when we went out to eat. So it was like a great three-way like MBA type trade. Like they benefit, they benefit, they benefit. It was great. I mean, hanging out with Sammy was fun. Uh and I remember when when my dad presented me the opportunity to go train with you and obviously you invited me and we're probably beating his door down about it for quite some time before he was finally like all right, are you, you want to go train with Glaze? Uh, and he was really like, I don't know what's that's going to entail, but I trust that he's going to put the right people in front of you. Um, that was, you know, for me, it was an unbreakable moment. I, I went from junior college uh, to Oregon for one year, and I was a backup guy. And then somebody got hurt. I ended up playing the last four or five games. Uh, I got invited to the Senior Bowl based on uh, my performance in those games and the Fiesta Bowl that I played in. And then when I went to the Senior Bowl – uh I, I wore just enough people out to get on a bigger radar, and then from there I get to go train with Glaze and get ready for the big show, which everybody knows is the NFL Combine and the NFL Draft. And I just remember being able to brush elbows and train every day and push our bodies to the limit and, and our minds to the limit uh and do it with people that have an outside-the-box background because we deal with so many football people in that pre-draft. Uh, You know, it's just fucking football, football, football. <laughs> like you're like oh wait this guy was a navy seal or this guy was a right. you know a gold medal wrestler or a, a national champion boxer uh, and you're training with guys who have a different set of elite mental skills for me that was an unbreakable moment having to tap in uh to a deeper understanding of what hard work is and what a true breaking point is and obviously I never reached it because I'm not broken yet right. um and and for all the days that I thought I wouldn't be able to get up uh or for all the workouts I didn't want to get off that turf after the workout I'd lay there for an hour and feel bad for myself I was better for it and I am today so for that I thank you Jay and for all the folks it. there at Unbreakable that were you know were and still are um a part of my life and at times they've been bigger than they are in others but uh yeah you you're massive in my in my story Well I appreciate
4: that I appreciate the two missing discs that I have because of you so thank you also for that Um, Yeah. Thanks for playing, thanks for playing with me every day. So here's the crazy part. So Kyle and I would, you know, we'd wrestle, we do hand fighting, we do this, we basically at Unbreakable with this mixed martial arts program that I came up with years ago with Randy Couture. We teach violence. You're playing a violent sport, but we also teach people how to push their breaking points. So everything else is easier. But what Kyle was different and remember Kyle only played, like you said, five, you know, college games at Oregon. Uh, Chip Kelly is his coach. I remember the Senior Bowl that you're talking about, and what I loved about Kyle, and I would try, I was trying, yeah, I'm honest with everybody, and I would always tell these head coaches and GMs, hey man, this is who you fucking want protecting your quarterback. This is the attitude you want. You don't want some fucking, you know, some daisy in there who's sitting there letting his quarterback get his ass kicked. This is who you want. Now, I'll never forget where the Senior Bowl, right? And you were, I think you were kind of going through some anxiety of just being there, it's such a, a
3: huge stage. And I, I said, thought I had the flu, but I was throwing up for three days right. just from anxiety. Like anxiety. I mean, if that's what we're gonna—I mean, I was sick, but it was like I—I I I, I didn't have the flu, I didn't have mono, but I just like I couldn't keep food down, I couldn't sleep. Yeah, I was going through it. That's yeah. another, um, you know, a, a moment for me where right. it was like my back was against the fire. You know what I'm saying? Like I was on the cliff. It's and a big there stage. The, there was the yeah. volcano behind me, and it's either you fight your way out of this thing, or, or you just end up uh, molten. And I'm glad that I fought, you know?
4: So funny, because even before I knew how to communicate this stuff, and that's why I think the mental health stuff, my gift is, like, God blessed me with the ability to communicate. So our thing is to be able to give it words. That's some of the thing You and I have trained physically, but you and I get each other. We could talk about it. So I understood what you're going through. But I, I remember telling you one day, right? When you got back out there, hey, just fucking be you. Just do you, and let me do the other part of it. And I'm on the sideline I'm talking to Mike Tomlin. How are working, buddy? You're working. Three other coaches, and I'm saying the same thing. I'm like, guys, he's the nastiest motherfucker you'll ever see. I almost had to say, run. hey
3: Jay, you're laying it on a little thick. I'm in the individual. I'm in the individual drills, and I can hear Glazer over there yelling at Mike Tomlin like, "This is the baddest motherfucker this you is the you've b- ever seen." Which you are. He, yeah. bro- he broke my leg. He broke my arm.
4: <laughs> but as, as I say that, Kyle freaking pancakes the D tackle, pancakes a linebacker, runs over a safety, and the linebacker or safety whoever gets up and says to you, What the fuck? And you go, You're not on my fucking team. And I turned around and Tomlin and Howie I'm like, huh? Huh? Yeah. What I tell you. It was perfect timing.
3: Yeah, Mike Tomlin, that would have been a fun guy to play for. Howie Roseman, obviously, maybe I would have had some rings. Uh I would have got to play next to Lane Johnson. That would have been cool. But I have no regrets. All all these funny stories we tell about training and getting in the ear of these guys in the industry, it's like uh, it all led to me going to Chicago. Yeah. And I'm a Chicago dude, and I got, like, so much love for that city, and I was so glad I got to go there. Uh, I don't have a Super Bowl ring, but what I have is, like, truly priceless. You and, know what I'm saying?
4: No, really and, – and just the journey itself, man. And people really don't know your journey. People don't know that you were the number one, you know, left-handed pitching prospect in America.
3: Come I was on. one of them. There was a lot of guys who could throw pretty well, but I was. How, one of them. how
4: fast were you throwing?
3: Uh, on a good day, I would be like 96, maybe 97.
4: Okay. So 97 miles per hour. I mean, he looks like a bad guy from taking already. Stop. I, had okay. I had hair back then. I had hair back then. I was like what a boy band. Doesn't matter. I was like when a you're boy band. Six seven on a mound throwing ninety seven miles per hour. People don't realize this about you. Also, it's it's ridiculous what your journey is.
3: Yeah, it was uh it was fun. And I mean, I always say I don't have regrets. But like, if I were to have regrets, it would be like I would have loved to have seen the alternate universe where the parallel universe where I got to play baseball. Um, because obviously I went to Florida State to play baseball. I got in some trouble off the field, as a lot of 19-, 18-year-olds do, and my my route ended up uh, taking me to South Orange County, California, where I cleaned up my act a bit with the help of a lot of good folks at Saddleback College. Mark McElroy deserves a shout-out there, our head coach. He's uh, big at Saddleback Church and getting guys right. into recovery, and he was the head coach for a very long time there. He brought in uh, military vets, and he brought in people that were getting out of the penal system. And, um yeah, he was a good dude, but he knew you could run that nine route. So he was like, come on out and play for my team. And I fit in great there. And when I got to Oregon, um Chip Kelly asked me two questions. He goes, do you love football? I said, yeah. He goes, are you going to go to class? I said, yes. And he was like, <laughs> come play for us. Um And we won a lot of football games there, and I learned a lot Um but it paled in comparison to the learning process of when I got to Chicago, obviously. And Aaron Cromer was my offensive line coach, and he's got one of his offensive linemen, Jari Evans is up for the hall of fame. Uh, that was one of the guys that he had me study early in my career. So I had great guys to learn from, including yourself, Jay, and all the people that you put around us. It was really an awesome experience.
4: Appreciate it, brother. But so again, what you need, this is what we need, right? Your dad for me, he's family, like he And that's the thing too, like people think your dad's so square and this and that. Your dad is, you, he's me, he's, he is that, he's the original, man, we got to try and keep that beast in the box, that
3: People, people don't get a, it, and I, it's and a um,
4: daily fucking battle, people. people well, fun. well,
3: I mean, his beast is different. I mean, his beast was—he was like a heavyweight champion boxer. Right. He was, he was—you uh you know—you think about the tenacity that a guy like J.J. Watt played with, and he could play defensive end, but he could also play defensive tackle. Shit, my dad could play nose tackle. He'd line up at zero and play. And your dad's and fucking play.
4: Charleston. He's not a Southern California.
3: And he player. was an All-Pro at each of those. And and as you know, you are. A product of where you've been and who you are. And my dad was, uh, you know, he, he had some spots that weren't, that didn't go as easily as, uh, most kids should have experienced. And it made him a tough, it made him a tough dude. And he's such a sweetheart now. So I'm glad people know him as a sweetheart because that's who he really is at his core. But like you said, that beast is in there. Yeah. Um,
4: and and it is,
3: it is with all of us
4: that, that you could be both. Right. So I talk about this a lot. And look, when I am, I think a lot of us kind of talk about what well, you have this thing that sits inside you and we, I don't know if it's an angry thing. It's a, you know, we, we call this little monster and it's like a daily battle to to keep it down inside and not let it, you know, run rampant on the, on, on society. It is an everyday type of thing. And I don't think, not everybody's going to understand how hard that is for for a lot of us, but, It's probably one of the coolest things that we get to do, that we, you and I and and how we get to talk about these things, that we get to battle things that people don't really see or can understand, and it does make us stronger.
3: Well, I truly believe it's what makes us different. It's what makes us special. I mean, like in in a locker room of, you know, when you go to training camp, there's 90 guys, you meet 89 other dudes, you're not going to meet probably one other guy that's like you. And everybody's got their history, everybody's got their family, everybody's got their skill set and their personality. And it's wild. I mean, I, I, I challenge you to try to get to know all the guys on your favorite team better, like outside of just this guy's a good route runner because they're all human beings. And it's, uh, you know, you get to see the superstars always covered, but there's, you know, like I said, there's 89 other dudes on that training camp roster that, uh, that you don't know and they're all going through something. I, I'm not special. And I, I've I'm human, so I make like I'm sensitive, I've got emotions, I've got thoughts, I've got opinions, and what you see is just me trying to articulate that. And uh I do my best and at times you talk about that beast. When I'm on the football field, I articulate it a little bit differently than most others. And that's what makes me special, at least in that business. Um and now I get to talk about football and I talk about it passionately and I think People see that, and it's authentic, and I think people appreciate that shit.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org.
4: So when you you say how you, you deal with the beast when you're on the field, how do you deal with what, when you're off the field? Yeah, I, I struggle and I'm not able to spar with my guys and, and yeah. um, you know, like, fuck, COVID, trust me, when Randy Couture moved away and Jay Haran moved away and all of a sudden I, w- I wasn't able to, to have that outlet. How do you deal with that, you know, off the field, especially after your career ended?
3: Uh, it's all about having healthy habits. I mean, we all have bad habits that are fun, pleasure habits. Right. You know what I mean? Like I like to eat a ton, at, not like way past dinner and that kind of stuff and stay up late. But I mean, for me, it's, uh, it's the simple things like taking pride in what I do and truly I chose something. I'm lucky enough to choose something for work that I enjoy to do. So I pour myself into work and I truly reap the benefits of enjoying it. And when I walk out of the building after work, I take pride in it. And, uh, so that's a big part of it. And obviously my family's, a you know, the number one thing, but, uh, for a simple answer, I would say a habit, a routine at nighttime. I could play video games with my buddies. You know what I mean? We get on, uh, we get on a little, uh, chat room on here and we all play Madden or, and we take turns playing each other and we all talk shit. It's nice to have that locker room environment at the end of the day, you need to let off steam and whether it's sarcastically, uh, whether it's comedically, or you want to be mean to somebody, be mean to one of your buddies in a private, you know, forum or be open because they'll say, Hey, why are you riding the salty seas tonight, bro? What do we need to talk about? You know, right. uh, that's my version of that. And there are nights where I go in there and my friends don't fucking want to hear from me because I'm, I'm in a shit mood. Um, or there's nights where we can't stop laughing and either way I benefit from having a group of people that I can associate with, whether I don't see them in person or not, I get to. Yeah. Go and play video games with him, and it's part of my routine.
4: And look, Kyle and I fought it out like crazy again. He's lived with me.
3: For, we for have several
4: different years. We fought it out one night. You're like, I'm fucking leaving, right? I yep. threw keys at you that day.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> like, you're like, I'm fucking out of here. But but I've been that guy too, and yeah, I've exactly been that guy. To, saying, I've been no. that guy to my older brother in the past year. I've been that guy with my dad a number of times. But these are like these are the tribal members, That's bro. Exactly these are right. These are my people, and like you feel comfortable around somebody. It's funny; like the more comfortable you feel around somebody, the more prone you you are to have. I'll call it, for lack of a better term, in my case, an outburst. Like I get emotional. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's also sometimes the people you don't know at all. It's never the in between. It's never people you kind of know. It's like right. people you love or people you just hate.
4: <laughs> hey, I think the people you love, I know, no matter how much you and I fight it out, you're going to come back. You're gonna be there. It's not a, it's not a death sentence. And that's what these that's what a real bond is. That's what a real relationship is. You know, your dad and I have fought it out a million times. Like, and that's what is so special when you can lean into your people and know, okay, I could have these these mental health issues, these issues, and know no matter what, they're still gonna be there for me. That's our equity.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's what friendship is, right? I mean, it's faith. It's having faith in yeah. one another.
4: By the way, we talk about we gotta tell you probably the funniest story that's ever happened, I was in your gym. And, and this is before I owned Unbreakable is when we were training together. Um, his dad Howie comes in there and he's like, "Fucking Honey Boo Boo's mom, right?" He's like, you know, a dance bomb, and he's button into our our, uh, our drills over and over and over. And finally, I show Howie. I go, "Howie, this is why we're doing this." Wap, wow, I fucking hit his form forearm with a hammer fist. And I don't know how often you have seen that side of Howie, but the you know the kid who grew up in, outside of Boston or in Boston fucking goes why would you do that grabs a key puts it in between his fingers and tries to punch me in the eye
3: you know i don't know if he tried to punch you in the eye because i would trust that if he did try he would have probably succeeded so i would say he he he, he hit you with a pump fake you know what i'm saying just to gain gaze reaction
4: key, like I've never asked you what your reaction was, but you saw that.
3: I think that was just the guy who was not used to getting touched, even as a <laughs> defensive lineman. Like, you know, some fighters are so good, they're just not used to getting touched. Like, you touched him. He wasn't expecting to get touched, and that was his response.
4: <laughs> you just sitting over Did there. you just fucking touch me, man? <laughs> It was one of the all time fucking moments. I think it's my favorite gym moment. Somebody just asked me a question.
3: See, you know, he goes for the weapon. I would have just gone for the mall. I would yes, have gone there.
4: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> a million percent. Oh my God. Brock
3: Lesnar, first oh, four man. seconds of a round. That's where I would have gone, just sprinting.
4: So look, you know, again, like I said, but Bonds, you and I, as we've both been through a lot and you've been through a lot on your journey. said, so you were kicked out of Florida State and, and, you know, went from baseball to football and junior college. Talk about that journey a little bit, what you're comfortable talking about.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, I was a two, I was like a two sport All American in football and baseball in high school. And I pitched and I played first base. So I could hit and throw. Life was really good for me in high school. It was really good, but I was, you know, it was, I had the. The blessing of being able to go to a school that was so safe that there was you know you could be yourself and uh, you didn't have to worry about being bullied and and that kind of thing. And I have great friends from there. It's a great place, but at the same time, I didn't have the foresight of thinking, well, eventually I'm gonna have to go somewhere else and take my talents elsewhere and am I ready for that? And that th- you know I wasn't, I wasn't. and that falls squarely on my shoulders. So when I went to Florida State, I just didn't have a good routine. I didn't have structure. I had an apartment. I had a little bit of money in my pocket um, for monthly spending, and a lot of it went towards beer. And uh, not, a, not a lot of my time was allotted towards, uh, you know, what was important, what got me there, which was school and baseball. And I made a ton of friends who I'm still great friends with today. Um, you know, I don't know if I would rely on those guys like I would some of the other ones you and I have discussed, but they're a damn good time, I will tell you that. Right. Uh, and I was playing baseball, and I was cramping up every day. Because I was probably out, you know, having a good time the night before, and I couldn't, I couldn't even maintain my my uh level of performance in the summer. And then once the fall rolled around and football season started, I ca- it was my first time not playing football, so I'm out there and I'm I'm in practice, you know, taking batting practice, and I can hear the whistles and the helmets right on the other side of that left field wall at Florida State. And part of me missed it, and you know, I was I was not fully invested in what I was doing, obviously. I ended up going home for the holidays and I had a DUI. Um, which was, you know, in, in retrospect, it was a blessing because I had that DUI and I had an opportunity to just restart, just Maybe press restart of the whole yeah. thing. And a lot of kids wouldn't have that opportunity. And for that, I'm grateful to my parents and, um, my whole support system, my siblings and everybody. But, uh, I went out West and I did some time to get right and, you know, try to like detoxify myself. Mentally and spiritually, physically. And I started going to school and working. At, I started working a job at, at Jack surfboards uh, on the Newport Peninsula. I was folding t-shirts and, um, you know, selling sex wax to surfers. Um, I was on crutches at the time because I, I tore my meniscus at the, at the, uh, at the skate park. I was on my sector nine. I tore my meniscus. It was the first real injury I had. I had to get surgery. That was awful. I called my dad and I was like, I tore my knee. What were you doing? I was skateboarding. Um, okay. So, you know, you, I, I go see the Clippers doctor or whatever, and I get my knee done. And then I enroll at Saddleback College, and I start football camp three weeks, four weeks after a, a scope. And I remember I haven't played football in, in two years now, three years now, right? You know, 2008 was the last year I played was in high school. And then I went Florida State, and then I took a year off, and now it's been an off season. So now I come back, and I'm like, fuck, I don't even know if I remember how to play football. I showed up, I had cleats and, like, uh, some compression shorts, and that was it. I was like, if anything, I'm going to impress motherfuckers with being big and fast. And uh I played defense, and I didn't go the right way, and I ended up on the bench. I was this backup defensive end for Steve Crapo who is the head coach now, who I'm buddies with, but he always gives me shit. He was like, you were a liability, bro. I wasn't going to put you out there. The head coach at the time, Mark McElroy, was the offensive coordinator. And he let Steve Crapo have his fun with me his first year. But the second year, he said, you're moving offensive tackle because it just, it's just going to work, all right? And he put me at tackle, and it was like, boom, I immediately. It was like, oh, football, <laughs> okay. And we put up 56 a game. Our right tackle went to Florida State, Menelik Watson, yeah. who you know. And I ended up going to Oregon. Um And when I got to Oregon, I rolled my ankle in camp, and I was never really 100%. I lost out to a really good young tackle, a left tackle. So now I'm back up again. And I only have one year of eligibility there. Um So I'm thinking to myself, fuck, I got to, you know, make something happen. I got to either switch to defensive line or go to tight end, try to make myself available to play somehow so I can get in the league. And at that point, I didn't even know if I, I could play in the league. You know what I mean? I just didn't know at the time, and so the the year goes on, and Manu Greg, our, our guard, got rolled up, and he had a nasty lower leg injury, so we're getting ready to play USC, and I walk into Steve Greatwood's office, the offensive line coach, and I said, Coach, I'm playing next week, and he said, what are you playing, and I said, I'm playing guard. I'm starting next week. And he was like, the fuck you're not. You haven't even been in a three points, you know, you know, you haven't been in guard. You've been a tackle the whole and you're not even, a, you're not even good enough to be a tackle. You know what I mean? Essentially. And Steve Greatwood's a great guy and a great coach, but he was essentially like, you fucked off to this point. You think I'm going to, and I told all the guy, we, uh, it was all the guys and I've played with a few of them since in the league and we all met at this one house on Van Dunn. Uh, that we would all meet at and just, you know, be meatheads. We'd they had like six lazy boys in the garage and we'd <laughs> sit around and talk shop. You know what I mean? We thought we were real football masterminds. And I told them that night, uh, and they were great guys. I told them I said I'm gonna stay. Like when we line up five wide, you know, pregame, the offensive line goes and they do. They run right, they run left, they run straight, but it's five guys. It's the first group, and then it's the second group, and then it's the third group. So I said, I'm lining up at that guard spot. You know, if you don't agree with it, speak now or forever hold your peace. Essentially, ballsy. And and the guys were like, "Fuck it, dude! Like, you know, try it. Like, see what happens." And I lined up there, and Greatwood looked at me, and I looked at Greatwood, and he was pissed, but he was also like. And he saw that none of the – he was like, somebody else hop in there. You know what I mean? Like, get a guard in there. (laughs) And none of the guys moved. (laughs) And I stayed a guard. And I stayed a guard that week. And we played. And our offensive line played so well that week. And Kenyon Barner broke the rushing record against USC. And we ran him out of the Coliseum. It was my first start in college, really. It was the same stadium my dad got to play in. It was a special day. Um, and then obviously the senior bowl invite came and uh ended up winning the the Fiesta Bowl against Kansas State. We lost that year. We should have probably had a run at the national championship. We lost to Stanford. They just were the they were our Achilles heel. They were the out physical you line up and play a mono mano type team. We were so athletic. We were a mono mano group, but they were just built the whole way through like that.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So,
4: again, the whole story started with something where you fucked up and you had to overcome. Yeah. Right? And I always tell people, man, the, the greatest things that I've done, I, don't, I never, and you know this, I don't brag about, I never brag about successes. I only brag about scars. I only brag about shit that I've gone through and gotten through and gotten over. At what point in your When you got to you know i don't know if it was at senior bowl or in college or or football, and how often do you do you go back and you say to yourself, "Man, look what I fucking overcame to get to where I am
3: uh there's been so much that has been there to help me, glaze, so at times I lose sight of the fact that I am somebody that has overcome some stuff and you know put my foot in the ground, so to speak, in the offensive line. Uh, world, we say you got to put your foot in the ground eventually. And that's you when, put, you're you're sitting, when you're Start sitting, when you're sitting on a bull around. rush, yeah. when Khalil Mack runs at you from five yards away and puts his head in your chest, you got to put your foot in the ground eventually or you're going to be on his highlight tape. So in life, the same thing happens. I mean, it's, it's not so much about a bunch of big things that happened. It's just so many little things that I, that I did to put myself behind the eight ball as it's knowing that you can always recover. Uh, the best players in football are the guys who make mistakes, but they recover. Um That's really what I think. I mean, I saw Deron Bland the other day give up a bunch of big catches, and then he goes out and gets an interception. Right. So that's kind of a microcosm for life. And that's really, I mean, I, I, they're going to run out of Your enemies will run out of ammo eventually. You just keep fucking going. Like uh my dad used to tell me when I was playing, I don't care if the sky is falling around you, you just keep coming. Right. And that, that never served me, uh, wrong.
4: It is, it, it is cool for the two of us also to have been able to lean into the same guy for all these years. And I have for me, for, and I kind of, you know, I kind of go whenever I have my closest people on these podcasts, my attention span goes all over the place. I have a yeah. hard time always interviewing. But it's like yeah, when we hang out, right? Yeah. It's, it's right. It's, but it's hard time, I have a hard time interviewing family. But the coolest thing for me with our family. All right, again, you helped raise Sammy. I adopted my son, Sammy, and I didn't know what I was doing. I became an insta dad. And I turned to your dad on how to be a dad. Your dad right, is a dad because of what he's had to go through for him with you, with Chris, with Howie Junior, with all that stuff. And and it's just it's a level of relationship that Man, it's just incredible, man. I'm 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 just proud to have you as a brother, man. It's just we're really lucky to have we know, we're we we're lucky
3: to have each other and we're even luckier to know my dad and my mom. No doubt. Cause, uh what people fail to realize is that so many people do really love my dad and enjoy my dad and his personality and his wit and his heart and his he cares a great deal. And you have to understand the impact that my mom has on that guy. Oh yeah. Uh like it's it's a nonstop beam of sunshine into his life. Like uh he is as lucky as any of us.
4: That's what when um, I got. We're lucky to have too. him and he's right.
3: supremely lucky to have her. And
4: when I got with Rosie, I said, Hey, I kinda want the relationship with Howie and Diane have. I said I want the same thing. This is what I want. I want that unbridled support no matter what. And that's no matter how much I whatever it is, I just kinda know that. You're always that. no matter how you. me
3: I am, I all need right. to know that That's you exactly got right.
4: Me. And I got, and I got to probably be reminded of a billion times. And you know, it's just going to be a constant thing. All right. It's just never changing. There's much we want to try and, you know, get better at that situation. I I still do, but I always lean into her, to your mom and dad of, baby, this is what I want. This is exactly what I want. So I love that she gets to hang out there with them now also. <laughs> and no, listen, Hey, this is just how I'm going to be for the rest of my life.
3: Yes. Um And there's, you know, there's some days where I just can't match that energy that my mom has. And I'm like, uh and I see why dad has to take a lot of naps because he's like, you know, my mom <laughs> has this energy that's just unbelievable. It's like, if you go hang out with her during the Super Bowl week, I mean, you're going to go to four concerts. You're going to meet all the coolest people. Um uh, Like people think Donna Kelsey has a cool gig. My mom has had that gig for like 40 years now. Oh, yes, no doubt. Uh I mean, she was there when the Raiders won the Super Bowl when they were in Los Angeles. Um She's been to all the Super yes. Bowls. I've heard all the, re- the the Yelp reviews from all the Just locations. Front row of
4: every concert you're at at every Super Bowl, yes.
3: She, you know, she's the, <laughs> she's the last one out the door at the Drake show, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> with security. Uh My mom's a lot of fun. If you've ever crossed paths with her, you would definitely know what I'm talking about. She's a lot of fun.
4: Tell me the one thing that you... Outside of football that you kind of look back, maybe, you know, we dream about, say, oh, I kind of wish I did this in life.
3: Outside of football, yep. what I would have wanted to do. You know, when I was younger, uh, there weren't a lot of people that said you're, you should be this when you get older. It was always, are you going to play football? But the one guy who gave me an idea for a job outside of football was my dad, and I remember being like seven, and he was like, Kyle, you really like talking to people. You're really good at hanging out with people. People enjoy hanging out with you. He goes, and you like being outside. He goes, you know what you should do? You should be a park ranger. And uh the more I think about it, I'm like, that seems like the best job in the world. I think you're especially- going
4: to say you, he, you should host an outdoor TV show. I never, I never saw a park ranger coming.
3: Like, if, if, you know, you get an opportunity to go and, uh, experience the great outdoors, we're lucky enough to go to Montana every summer for our, for our entire lives. And, uh, there's a lot of people who don't get to experience that part of the world, but being a park ranger, like you go up to Glacier National Park, you get to see going to the sun road and you see parts of the map that people don't get to see when you're the park ranger. You get access to things, um, that, that people don't get access to. Imagine riding out at night when the park's closed with the lights on and, uh, just taking in the sights and sounds. I bet it's, I bet it's an awesome gig.
4: Hey, you and know, I used to also talk. I started a foundation called MVP, emerging vets and players where i put together, you know, former combat vets with ex NFL players, fighters, because when you lose your locker room, it's hard and that transition is really difficult for a lot of people. And you and I have talked about it for years and years and years. And, you know, you had that, you, you came out of obviously you went from transition from baseball. Then to football, then out of that, into broadcasting. A, has it gotten easier as the years have gone by? Does that transition ever go from, okay, it's transitioned, now it's kind of done, now I'm just in this outside world, or do you still, you know, look at it and say, man, I'm still transitioning?
3: We're always transitioning, right? I mean, people ask me how retirement is because they view me as a football player. I'm like, I'm, we're never really retired, right? I mean, I, I know old guys who are volunteer firemen or drug testers for the NFL. It's their only gig. Nobody's ever really retired. And for me, it's always changing. Like I started this studio gig a few years ago at CBS sports and I love it. Um, I I get to do pregame there and it's a lot of fun. I get to be myself. Like you, like the advice you gave me at the senior bowl, be yourself. And that advice has carried me through. It's the same advice my dad gives me and you know, just be yourself and I get to do that and. Now I'm doing Greenlight Podcast on Monday, so it's a live show with my brother, and that's been a transition. It's like it's not all, you know, rainbows and sunshine. So we've had to learn how to work with one another and put our egos aside at times and understand that also people enjoy watching the egos kind of butt heads a little bit, like particularly when we talk about Aaron Rodgers, and we have different thoughts about the whole Aaron Rodgers <laughs> thing. But uh, like last week, one of our members didn't feel well. I had to fill in on a segment on the on the NFL Today. Which is, uh, you know, something I've never done before. And right. they, you know, they told me during the show. So I had to go across the hallway and do something extra. And that's a transition. I'd love to eventually call games. Mm. Uh, and that would be something that I think would lend to my personality. And you pair with the right person and, uh, you just have fun and talk about what you see, man. And I just remember growing up listening to those classic calls and it was just dudes up there calling what they see and the the guys who I really enjoy right now Mark Sanchez being one of them doesn't get enough love um over there at Fox he does a fabulous job and I know Mark outside of the field or off the field he lived with me in Chicago the guy you hear in the booth is the guy you'd hang out with right. at a bar on Friday um so those are the guys you want to listen to I'd love to be like that um but I I know how hard it is man you got to know everybody everything every week um, so the studio gig I'm comfortable with right now.
4: And I think that, you know, you find that, that locker room that, that was huge. I think a lot of guys again, and we talk about this, you know, they, a, they finish up and they don't know what to do. They feel like, man, I go, go, I got to race out and find that next thing. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of guys kind of get in trouble. It's just, and I try and tell guys all the time, listen, dude, you spilt that blood. You laid that sweat. You earned that cash. Chill out. Just enjoy life. It's so hard. It's so hard for, for, for athletes to teach themselves how to exhale, but that's okay to exhale.
3: It's really important though, Jay, to also understand that when, like I, I truly understand that that advice is coming from a good place. Like you, you earned it. Take some time. But right. at the same time, what we have relied on as athletes is that structure that and structure. that everyday regiment. Uh, and when you lose that to your point of losing the locker room, Along with the locker room, you're losing that 9 a.m. lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You're losing that walkthrough that you so enjoy that prepares you for the chess match to come on Sunday. Those things go by the wayside and you're, and you're left staring your life in the face saying, what have I done outside a ball to prepare myself for this? I would urge guys to take time, but I would also urge guys to find a routine that they can stick to during that lull in action in their life because once you get away from it, if that car sits in the garage for too long, the wires get rusted, uh, you know, the battery dies, it's going to be a lot harder to get that car back on the road, whether it's physically or just in life when you do want to get that job.
4: I agree. We have to have that that structure. No doubt. Like and it's a it's great advice also, like make sure the moment you're done, you figure out something else to do some other structure where we have a schedule. Cause the first time also in your life, No one's telling you where to go, when to go, who to sit with, who to eat with, who to train with, who to practice with. And the world is a scary fucking place. It's very scary, especially when you don't have your teammates walking this walk with you. I just, you know, my point to them also, and that's just a great thing of don't jump out and find the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I got to find something. So I'm just going to. Don't latch onto the first
3: thing. Hub it at it. That's exactly right.
4: Exactly right. And that's why I say, man, just afford yourself some of that grace because you put so much work in. To allow yourself to enjoy it. We're just not ingrained to allow ourselves to enjoy it. And there's
3: people waiting for you to get off of the ferris. They've been watching you ride that ferris wheel for a long time and people have come out in droves and a lot of people left when you were done playing. But then there's people yeah. that are waiting to get something from you or ask something of you yeah. when you're done because like, oh, he's got time now. Yeah. Um, so like you said, don't latch onto everything. Trust your, trust your OGs as, as, as it were, as it is.
4: All right, last thing, last question. Ask everybody this. Give me your and you may have already said it, but give me your unbreakable moment, the thing that should have broken you but didn't, and as a result, you came to the other side of that tunnel stronger for the rest of your life. That's your currency forever.
3: Man, there's just so there's so much clay. It's so tough to put my finger on on one thing. I would probably say just getting my life back together after getting in trouble at Florida State. I mean, I had my life in a handbasket there um, at Florida State. It was all there for me, and I threw it away, uh, like we've seen so many times. And how many great athletes do we grow up around? You say, you should have seen this guy, Tommy Mancino, from fucking New Hampshire. He was the best running back ever. Or, you know, I played with a number of guys in junior college who could have played in the NFL, and they fucked something up, and they never got back on their feet. Um, and as a result of that, I don't know those guys anymore. Luckily for me, I was able to just stick it through and trust the process and have faith. Um, have faith in myself and have faith in, uh, just that you show up every day and you put yourself, you put your best foot forward and good things are going to happen. I mean, the more good decisions you make, uh, the less, the less you have to worry about when you put your head on the pillow at night. You know what I'm saying?
4: Love it dude, Man, well, look, folks, you know him as an ultra offensive lineman. I know him as my son's Manny, Kyle Long. And my brother and my nephew, my family member. And man, I just, like I said, I, I, I can't honor our relationship enough, brother. As, as much Thank as you you, I've, you've I've helped you with along the way, just knowing I have a beast like you who has my back no matter what, that goes further than anything.
3: My guy, I love you, man. Thanks for All having you, me.
0: Thanks for joining me, brother. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.